On the 25th of May 1995, the 17th year of his pontificate, Pope John Paul II issued his encyclical on ecumenism. It was entitled Ut Unum Sint, That They May Be One. In it he declared, Thus it is absolutely clear that ecumenism, the movement promoting Christian unity, is not just some sort of appendix which is added to the Church's traditional activity. Rather, ecumenism is an organic part of her life and work, and consequently must pervade all she is and does. Prior to moving to the mission to seafarers, I spent 20 years serving as a military chaplain with the New Zealand Defence Force, where ecumenism was never an official policy, rather it was a pragmatic reality. You see, in the military there are never ever enough chaplains for the demands placed upon you, very much like it is in the maritime ministry. As such, in the military we had to learn to work as a cohesive team, and that meant building trusting relationships in order to achieve the goal of meeting the needs of those seeking our help. This reminds me of a fantastic story I once heard. It goes like this. There was once a team of about 35 employees drawn from different departments of a big company. They were brought together for a team-building exercise. They were all young, bright and enthusiastic team members. Each had their own gifts and abilities, and each felt passionately about the respective departments they worked for and represented. However, there was one big problem with this company. Each department contributed to the overall success of the company, but because each department was fiercely competitive and loyal to itself, to its own traditions and heritage, the respective departments stopped sharing information or solutions with each other. The CEO felt that they were too focused on themselves and not enough on team, and the company's success was suffering. So she organised this team activity, and she hoped that it would allow her to teach the importance of each team member working together and sharing more. She brought the team into the cafeteria, where all of the tables and chairs had been stacked and put away. Placed around the room were hundreds and hundreds of different coloured balloons. Everyone was excited, but not really sure what this was all about. In the centre of the room, there was a big box of balloons that hadn't been blown up yet. The CEO asked each person to pick a balloon, to blow it up and write their name on it. Then she got them to leave the room again. They were told that they had qualified for the second round. About five minutes later, they were all invited back into the same room and the CEO announced that their next challenge was now to find the balloon that they had left behind with their name on it among the hundreds and hundreds of balloons scattered in the large cafeteria. She warned them, however, to be very careful and not to pop any of the balloons, for if they did, they would be disqualified. So while being very careful, they also tried to be as quick as possible to find their individual balloon with their name on it. Yet after 15 minutes, not one single person had been able to find their balloon. Defeated, they were told that the second round of the game was over, and they were now moving on to the third round. In this next round, the CEO told the team members to find any balloon in the room that they could, with any name on it, and then give it to the person whose name they had found. Within a couple of minutes, every member of the team had their own balloon with their own name on it. At which point, the CEO made the following point. We are more efficient when we are willing to share with each other. We are better problem solvers when we are working together and not individually. In the maritime ministry sector, there are a myriad of different teams, 
with different names and histories and ways of doing things and seeing the world. And so on any given port, we might find the Apostleship of the Sea, alongside the mission to seafarers, alongside a sailor society, or Deutsche Seamen's mission, or Biblia Harbour Ministries' presence. In reality, we all care about the same thing, the welfare of seafarers, but we all have our unique histories and philosophies and ways of being. Yet on many ports, these ministries are all struggling to find volunteers, to raise funds, and to maintain buildings and vehicles. We are all trying to do similar things with limited resources. And this can result in competition and patch protection rather than resulting in collaborative approaches and shared resources. In today's episode, we are going to consider the value of working together. And we're going to be joined by another amazing guest, someone who knows the value of ecumenism and has worked for the longest time to embody those words of Pope John Paul II. So buckle in and join me on the journey as the crow flies. So today we are joined by Dr. Jason Zeidemer, the General Secretary of the International Christian Maritime Association and Executive Director of the North American Maritime Ministry Association. He lives in Montreal, Canada, and has been involved in maritime ministry for around 22 years, so he knows a thing or two. Welcome, Jason. Thank you for having me. So you have been involved in maritime ministry for an awfully long time. Uh, basically from the beginning of maritime ministry. No, I shouldn't say that. And so you've probably seen a thing or two. And today we want to consider what it means to work ecumenically, what it means to work with others. Can you tell me what you think uh, about that and what your views are on working ecumenically? I think there's different perspectives on this. Uh, the, the first is I think there's a there's sort of a Christian gospel imperative to work together, uh, to uh, to work together with uh, fellow believers, and uh, the that's I think a really in, in, important uh, part of this this whole uh, puzzle. But I think there's also a practical reality to it that when we work together, we work better. Uh, the, the nature of seafarers ministry is that you're working with people that are on uh, things floating, <laughs> these floating pieces of metal around the whole world. You can't be everywhere. You can't do everything, and so uh, you need to be in relationship with those who, who are in the other places. And so it's a very uh, practical reality uh, in, in working together. So over our lengthy history of maritime ministry and in, in the various organizations and associations around the world, working together hasn't been the hallmark of our ministry for the longest time. Why do you think that might be? This is a very, very good question. Uh, I think there's some practical realities. Some, uh, some are actually relatively innocent reasons. Uh, language sometimes. Uh, there was an issue of uh, perhaps money. It wasn't always easy to work together because we didn't have the resources to do so. Uh, perhaps we were just geographically far away from each other. And I think in, in earlier times also, the, there wasn't the sense of... Um, there wasn't the sense that we could just get in contact with each other easily as we're doing today. Uh, today we're talking to each other uh, live. We can see each other uh, and we're in fact uh, on the other ends of the earth. Uh, this is a relatively recent phenomenon in the last uh, several generations. And so there's some innocent reasons why we weren't working together. And that is, it was just practically difficult. Uh, 
but then getting into sort of the the the, the deeper issues, the 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 uh, more difficult issues, issues of theology, no doubt, issues of church practice, um, issues of sacraments and ordination, and who who was who was sort of the the the, the real chaplain and, and and the real church, and all of those other complex and difficult questions came into the mix. Uh, which uh, led to barriers between our organizations. So somewhere around 50 plus years ago, a whole group of people decided to get together and to form the International Christian Maritime Association. Now, that wasn't the first uh, mega association of that sort because really ICMA came out of NAMA. So 50 years ago, this group got together, and, and we've thrown in the show notes uh, the wonderful little video that you put together on the history of ICMA. So to start with, I want to ask you, you know, what ICMA is and why it exists. Going back 50 years ago, so ICMA started in 1969. The first meeting of everyone um, was, in, was in 1969 in, in Rotterdam. And there was a, a sort of a twofold sense in that first meeting. And I think that twofold sense, sense, uh, sense still guides us and uh, sort of uh, brings, um, uh, like, propelled, propels our mission forward today. And that is one practical, and the other one is, one might say, theological or, or sort of faith-driven. Um, faith the, the practical realities is we needed to work together. And I think that still is the case. We need to work together. We can't afford to do our own thing because it it means we can't do our work, but more specifically, seafarers suffer. When we don't work together, seafarers uh, practically don't get the kind of services that that they're they're getting right now when we are working together. So there's a there's a practical uh, drive to it that was from the beginning in uh, in Rotterdam. Previous to that, I suppose an answer to your your uh, other question as well. Seafarers came from very distinct countries on board. So there would be sh a ship full of Norwegians or a ship full of Swedes or a sh ship full of uh, Dutch seafarers or Americans or whatever country they were from. And increasingly already in the, the, the 1960s, but it's only intensified since then, we've had multinational, multicultural, multi-religious crews. And so it, it wasn't enough for the local uh, Danish uh, pastor to come on board a Danish ship because there might not actually be all that many Danes on board that ship. There might be uh, people from a different culture, different country, different religion. And so uh, already then they simply had to work together uh, practically. The other thing that motivated though uh, them though, and it was a much bigger motivation, was the newfound sense of, of joy and wonder and privilege of working together. That uh, in the wake of the establishment of the World Council of Churches after the uh, the Second World War, and then the, the the sort of joining of the ecumenical movement by Catholics in the wake of uh, Vatican II in the mid 1960s, that sense of joy and marvel at being able to to work together in ways that they hadn't worked together before, I think that was something that motivated that that uh, group to get together in Rotterdam and continues to to motivate us today. That we can we can have the privilege and joy of working together. So you've had the privilege of going to the World Council of Churches in looking in their archives and accessing the founding documents of ICMA. What did you find there in terms of the intent of that group that first met in Rotterdam in 1969? And are you still seeing that intent working out itself out all these years later? The uh, the archives are a real precious part of our history. I had the privilege of going there a few years ago. 
that for the first few years of ICMA, the World Council of Churches actually uh, lent us uh, an employee to be the, the secretariat of our organization to sort of get us on our feet. And then after a few years, they, they let us uh, um, do, our own, uh, do our own work. So for the first few years, because they were the secretariat, uh, our, our first uh, uh, documents are still in the archives at the World Council of Churches. In those documents, we see some of the first letters where people are discovering each other. They're discovering their organizations. They didn't know each other all that well previous to this time, and they were uh, finding out things ab about each other. The, the North Americans especially were finding out about the, uh, the European groups. The European groups were finding out about the, the North American groups uh, in particular. And uh, what they were finding out was that they could um, do bigger and greater and uh, things more effective work together than staying separate. And I think that that's something that was clear in the, in the, the Rotterdam uh, consultation in 1969, that they, they found that they, they needed a, some kind of common voice and they needed some common purpose. And so that common practical working together and that common voice still are, are things that motivate us today uh, around the world, having, uh, being able to speak together and also work together. So I had the privilege of uh, joining you and a whole heap of other people in Kaohsiung in Taiwan uh, last year uh, before this crazy COVID thing hit. And, and that was a, an incredible celebration of where ICMA is uh, after 50 years and we felt the incredible camaraderie in the room. And I see that as one of a successful moment. But that's not the most successful moment necessarily or the only successful moment. What have been some of the successes of ICMA over those 50 plus years? Yes, certainly, as you mentioned it, I am so happy we planned that conference just a few uh, months <laughs> before COVID. Uh, we certainly were very blessed to uh, have, uh, have had that completely finished by the time, we, uh, uh, by the time COVID uh, came around. Uh, to me, the greatest success is in fact locally around the world. The greatest success is uh, when chaplains, ship visitors, uh, staff volunteers of different uh, Christian denominations find practical ways of working together uh, in, in peaceful ways, but in joyful ways in ports around the world. So when there is peace in a local maritime ministry, uh, between the local maritime ministries, to me, that's the greatest success of ICMA uh, throughout the years. And uh, to me, the looking at whatever port you want to look at around the world, um, the, the vast majority of ports, uh, Christian ministries work together. So to me, that's the the, the greatest success. After that, we, we've ha also had great successes on uh, common training programs, on common publications, on having a delegation to the, the United Nations International Maritime Organization meetings and International Labor Organization meetings. And then lots of other small, uh, uh, small uh, projects that have happened over the years uh, have also been um, uh, great successes. So as you travel around the world in your role as the, the General Secretary, do you, have you seen any positive examples of places where people are working well together? There are a number of uh, places that... Um, Already in the 1960s, we were working well together. Some are uh, more recent examples. Uh, to me, uh, a, a great one, a historic one, has been Houston in Texas, Antwerp in uh, Belgium. Uh, there are a number of other ports around the world. Uh, 
sometimes it's within, on, on local success stories where uh, ministries sort of merge together and really uh, have a structural unity together. Other times it's more just friendly relationships where they remain separate, but they're, they're sort of just fr- friendly relationships together in a local port. Or in other cases, it's been on training programs or annual conferences. Uh, in uh, my uh, sort of my second hat, I, I'm the executive director of the North American Maritime Ministry Association. And there we have an annual conference with about typically about 100 chaplains from all sorts of different uh, denominations that come together. More recently, it's been great fun to come to Australia and then to New Zealand. Uh, just before COVID uh, began, I was in New Zealand and sort of cut the last flight out. I was sure happy to get home uh, uh, from from that meeting. And just seeing people joyfully working together, meeting together, to me, these are, are great uh, examples of success. Certainly here in New Zealand, you know, we have worked together for a long time. All of the church groups, all of the um, various aspects of uh, maritime ministry, mission to seafarers and apostleship of the sea and the Sailor Society and the Galilee Mission, all sort of merging together. There's really uh, very few ports in New Zealand that are one organization or another, but there's none where we operate in competition with each other. And and a lot of that is because of pragmatics. We have limited resources and we're trying to do uh, an incredible amount of outreach with a very small amount of resource. Do you think that COVID is going to have any impact around the world on encouraging more ecumenical partnerships and more working together? I want to say the jury is still out, actually. Um, I see uh, um, some, in some ways, uh, yes, in some ways. I want to say yes and no to this question. Okay. So yes, already clearly there are, there are certain ways in which people are working together. Uh, there are um, certain seafarer centers where were that were simply because of uh, uh, COVID protocols, uh, uh, hygienic protocols, et cetera. They they simply have to work together. There there are certain uh, the the port is requiring them to do so, or or um, the, the the government is requiring them to do so. And there are certain countries, for example, uh, where COVID has really opened a door for um, for uh, funding. Uh, New Zealand is an example. Holland is, a, is an example right now. Canada also just founded a National Seafarers Welfare Board. In all three of those cases, it probably wouldn't have happened uh, uh, without uh, COVID. Um, the, the, the urgency of it all uh, um, was really ratcheted up because of, of COVID. On the other hand, there are a number of seafarers ministries that are finding it very challenging. There are seafarers ministries that are sort of fighting, fighting or struggling for their, for their lives at this time. Uh, there are some, for example, that have uh, seafarers hotels. Um, I know one particular seafarers ministry that has a, a seafarers hotel, and and they have to make really tough decisions because they they can't keep a hotel open because of uh, COVID restrictions. They're just they just don't have any uh, any people coming to their hotel, and it's uh, instead of being a money maker, it's a money loser, and it's no longer able to support the mission in the way that it was before. And so, when there are these financial challenges, when you're trying desperately just to keep the thing afloat, it's pretty hard to think about um, maintaining those relationships with other people. And so the, the focus is so much on day-to-day survival 
that thinking about somebody else's survival, thinking about the other organization down the street is, is, is a challenge. It's not because you don't want to, it's just in practice where previously you, you saw your, your, your uh, neighboring ministry every week. Now it, it could be months uh, between meetings just because there's so much other work uh, uh, on, on your plate because of uh, the, the, the current crisis. And that's one of the catch-22s around this whole situation, particularly as uh, COVID impacts on maritime ministry at the local level. At a time where seafarers need us more than ever, we are struggling to survive. And there's a sense in which working together makes some sense, but you're, you're correct that when you are just keeping your head above water, it's often hard to try and prop someone else up or try and encourage them out. But when things go wrong, and occasionally they do, when, when there is um, disputes amongst organizations or when there is frictions, what is the impact of that on the general ministry across uh, a, a region and globally when there are these sort of fractious relationships? The impacts can be profound and longstanding. No doubt, just sort of from the, the, the sort of a crass level, money. Um, when seafarers ministries fight with each other, there are a number of big funders that really don't like it. They, it really is a turnoff for those uh, large international funding bodies when there are two organizations doing what seems like a similar work in a similar place. Uh, it really confuses them and, and sort of, uh, um, yeah, just turns them off to, to funding, funding anybody. So rather than both getting funding, none, none of them get, uh, get funding. And that, that can happen in various places and has happened over the years where when people can't get together, then nobody gets the funding and the project doesn't go forward. More than that, it, it can cause friction with the, the other stakeholders in the maritime community. The, the best witness, uh, I think uh, the, sort of the best uh, gospel witness, but also the best uh, mission witness of, of the organizations is to, is to work together because when they work together, it's much more likely the local port authority will, uh, will partner with them. It's much more likely the, the uh, maritime companies and the maritime unions will, will partner with them. It's much more likely there'll be sort of friendship and joy around the table. Uh, when when they work together, and when uh, to, to me uh, seeing uh, when 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 there is uh, when sort of ports are standoffish, when companies are standoffish, when when uh, unions or others uh, don't want to get involved, it, often the root can be that that the uh, the various missions and ministries um, have some kind of dispute between them or some ongoing tension between them, and it's very much worth their while to get that figured out. Yeah. I absolutely agree. You know, one of the things you know for us here in um, the Pacific and in New Zealand, um, particularly, is that we are very, very small as a maritime um, ministry organisation. You know, but we do have um, and have had since about 1956 this thing called the Seafarers Welfare Board for New Zealand, which for the longest time uh, really was an opportunity for us to come together to talk and to share collegially. But then we'd go back and do our own thing. But increasingly over the last decade, we have really intentionally tried to work together. And at times, I have to say, you know, and I've got a, 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 an amazing chair of my board uh, here for my own, for the mission to seafarers in Wellington. 
And often after one of these meetings, I'll go to him and I'll just say, but they just don't get it. They just don't get it talking about another organization. And he will say, yeah, but they get it from their perspective and you get it from your perspective. We're just seeing the problem from two different viewpoints. And that's a really, uh, I think, a positive thing for me to hear from him because, you know, it's not that they're bad and we're good because that's that's never the, the, the issue. It's we just see things from a different perspective, but we all want the same outcomes. We all want to see the welfare of seafarers improved. We want to see them having access to Wi-Fi. We want to see them connected into their faith uh, and to uh, have a, a quality of life that they deserve. We all want the same thing, but we just try to achieve it in different ways at times. And that can be a friction. And so if we can just step, step back from that in that moment and reflect on you know, these are not bad people, you know, we, you know, they're, they're not trying to um, undermine us, they're just seeing it in a different way. I think that that's a really helpful thing to do. I would agree. Yeah. So tips and tricks. Do you have any tips and tricks for us of how we can, and anyone listening to this who currently, you know, they're not working as strongly potentially with another um, organization as they could be, or would like to reach out, what are some tips and tricks that you think uh, could be helpful to hear? I think the most important thing that was, that impacted my understanding of things, but I, and it's something I, I um, appreciate more and more uh, as, uh, as I get into this is meeting together, uh, physically meeting together in a, in an established time for a, a, a good amount of time. So let's say one hour, once a week, meeting together with your colleagues. If you're not doing that right now, I would strongly encourage you to do so. Uh, obviously with, with COVID, it's difficult to meet together, but all of these uh, online resources are there. It's not quite the same thing as meeting together in person, having a, uh, having a coffee and, uh, and, and a snack, not quite the same thing, uh, but it's certainly better than nothing. And if you want to maintain a strong relationship uh, if you want to maintain, uh, for the benefit of seafarers, that that relationship between your organizations, establish a time during the week or uh, biweekly, once a month, uh, where you can continue to to talk with each other. And to me, that's probably the the number one tip uh, to to overcoming problems is having that open, friendly, easy relationship with others. And during those times, intentionally try to air dirty laundry <laughs> with each other. Uh, don't try to hide or, or, or uh, go around things, uh, but, but rather talk to each other about the real issues that are, that are there, but then also pray together that your, your relationship together with your ecumenical partners is not just a relationship of, uh, of practice, but it's a relationship of joy that sure you want to work together uh, because it's better for your bottom line of, of your ministry, because you can fundraise better, et cetera. But uh, you want to work together. Uh, to me, the, the the main reason is because it's it it it's it's joyful. It's a it's an expression of of uh, of the gospel. Uh, to me, it's real good news. Yeah, absolutely, it is. And you know, I really like what what you're saying in the sense of you know meeting together and um, forming friendships is is really helpful. I think one of the 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 things that was a real blessing for me, if I can say that, is. I didn't come straight from parish ministry or church ministry into the maritime sector. I had this 20-year period in between where I was a chaplain in the military. And in the military, you have to work together. 
mm-hmm. uh, particularly in our, our military anyway, you know, we, we have one chaplaincy that is all denominations. And so we are forced to have those hard conversations and to work in constructive and productive ways. So when I moved across to maritime ministry, it was just an easy transition for me to say, oh, well, you know, we're all working together. And so that's I've come with that worldview and that expectation. And by bringing that worldview and that expectation into, into the situation, um, what has happened is, you know, that's the reality that I've walked into. You know, we're going to work together. Oh, this is how it's going to be because that's how it is in the rest of the world. And certainly if I look at other chaplaincies, uh, you know, hospital chaplaincies and prison chaplaincies and police chaplaincies, Often these are very strongly ecumenical, um, and and sometimes across the world multi-faith, uh, and so you know I look at that as just this is the reality, and and the maritime sector I guess is no different. So, I know that you have created a lot of resources, and you are I, perhaps the greatest gift there is to maritime ministry uh, with regard to the creating creating of resources. What what resources do you think that people listening to this should really be l- leaning into and anchoring off uh, or leveraging off um, to gain some greater understanding of what it means to be involved in maritime ministry and, and working together? At this time, I would say uh, there's a great podcast as the crow flies. You should uh, <laughs> download it and listen to it. Uh, Lance, your podcast is really, really good. Uh, we we do have uh, a number of different um resources that are available. The, the magazine that I publish for Seafarers Ministry uh, is called The Mare Report, M-A-R-E, uh, means the sea. The Mare Report, and there's uh, um, sort of weekly articles online, and the uh, the print edition comes out once a year. We have a, a, a training um, module, uh, training modules on at Mare Training, M-A-R-E training.com. And then on the ICMA website, in the NAMA website, there's lots of other resources that are available. And I would encourage uh, anyone to, to check those out. So we'll put the links to those in the show notes so that anyone can access those and download those resources. Obviously, you know, you said meeting together is important and you know, in these difficult um, social distancing times, that can be uh, a problem. But it's something to aspire to when we get through this is to say, what can we do to come together to celebrate getting out of COVID, joining together in in more meaningful ways? And that's an opportunity as well, like never before, to to reach out to our ecumenical partners and say, let's have a joint celebration to celebrate that we have got through this experience together and to move forward together. that's, That's something I think could be fantastic. Because I don't know when we're going to get, get together to have another uh, amazing ICMA conference, because they must be expensive to run as well. Indeed, we had lots of great uh, support for it. I think this is also, you know, this is a real learning moment for us all as well. Uh, th- this is being uh, recorded on a day we just uh, uh, had an announcement in my part of the world, in my little province in Canada, where the, the government uh, announced just now, just a few moments ago, that uh, that Christmas was going to be cancelled. We couldn't have any uh, any any uh, meetings with each other uh, at all in our in our little part of the the uh, the world. And it'll be the for me, it's uh, it touches home uh, because it's the first time I won't see my parents for Christmas in my life, and. Uh, to me, it's a, sort of a, a, a small, sad moment. I'll still be with my, my wife and kids, so I, I uh, have definitely will still have lots of joy at, at Christmas. But the, the teaching moment is we get to learn what seafarers live 
every year <laughs> that seafarers are are away from their families at all times and i think it gives us a taste of of uh, just a small taste of of what they live uh, until covid came around it was difficult to tell people the the mental health and psychological impacts of social isolation that you try to tell them that life on board the social isolation on board has mental health impacts and and social uh, uh, impacts and you had to sort of convince people that 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 was the case and it wasn't just sort of pseudoscience or something. Uh, I don't think any of us has to, <laughs> has to explain to anyone anymore what, uh, that, what uh, social isolation does to you, uh, what uh, being away from family does to you, that, that it, it, it's a, it's a burden. It's a, it's a challenge and we need each other to, uh, to, to, to adapt and, and, uh, and survive through this. So the, the learning moment here is that we can, um, we should learn that we need each other, that we need to visit each other, that we need to reach out to each other, that in, in a way that we do sort of ship visits to seafarers, we need to reach out to each other and visit each other. But I guess the other longing too, is that you just long, like a seafarer might long for the end of a contract. Uh, we, we, I long for the times I can be together with, with my colleagues again, that it, it's a, sort of a beautiful, um, uh, that, that this the sort of, uh, in me is sort of, uh, my heart is bursting to to want to be together with with people just to spend time with them uh, again in in person just to have uh, a uh, uh, a strong drink with my colleagues just to sit down and have a meal with my colleagues and and just enjoy their company in person i think it's uh, i'm i'm full of faith and hope that uh, in the in the coming months uh, in, if not the coming year who knows maybe it's longer but that soon uh, we'll be together absolutely and that is something to look forward to and to celebrate when we can get back together. Now, as we were talking and you were talking about the, you know, the fact that for the longest time people have not appreciated the impact that uh, isolation can have on seafarers. You know, I'm, I'm very mindful at the moment. The picture in my mind is you know, of our ship visitors going up the access ways right now, heavily clad in PPE. And, and at the other end of the gangway is a uh, seafarer heavily clad in PPE. But even through that, there's a human moment of connection that is important, that someone cares about them, even through this difficult time. And even with all the challenges, uh, irrespective of what badge you wear on your jacket, you are a human being coming to connect with them, coming to reach out to them and to say that they are loved and appreciated and valued. And that's what I think, think is at the heart of the ministry we do doesn't matter what badges on the van, what the letters on the jacket say, we are being the hands and feet of Jesus to the vulnerable people of the world in some regards, the, you know, the, the forgotten few who, who keep the world economy going. And I think that that is one of the most profound moments uh, we have had through COVID is that re visual reminder that the ministry we do is so vitally important. Jason, thank you for your time today. Thank you for all that you are doing and continue to do. Uh, and our thoughts and prayers will be with you this uh, Christmas uh, because those restrictions aren't the same in my part of the world. But for many seafarers, for many um, seafaring nations, for many people involved in maritime ministry, for many people around the world right now, isolation is part of life. And it's a painful part of life. And we long for the day when that's not the case. So blessings to you. Thank you. Uh, and uh, have a very Merry Christmas. Thank you, Lance.
And now for some useful resources, and then for some final thoughts. Firstly, some useful resources. The most important one today, of course, is our website, asthecrowflies.weebly.com. This is a place where you can get access to every episode of As The Crow Flies and the show notes for each and every episode, so check it out. Some of the things that you'll find there today are links to the fantastic resources mentioned by Jason, including the History of ICMA documentary on Vimeo, as well as the ICMA website where you can follow the training tab and find all the main sessions from the ICMA World Conference in Taiwan. There's also a link to the NAMA website, where you can find the Mare reports and links to Mare training. There you'll find a wealth of fantastic training opportunities. I've also put in a few things that weren't mentioned in our show today. I've put in two links to a two-part series prepared by the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops around ecumenism. And also uh, a conversation entitled Theologians in Conversation, the State of Ecumenism from the University of Nottingham. And one that's a bit weird, but has lots to teach us about having the courage to work together. It's a clip called Leadership from a Dancing Guy, and you may have seen this. It's Leadership from a Dancing Guy at the Sasquatch Music Festival in 2009, with commentary by Derek Silvers. This was originally presented as a TED Talk. And now for some final thoughts. First, a couple of great quotes about working together, and then something a bit deeper. The first quote is by Helen Keller, and this is what she had to say. Alone we can do so little. Together we can do so much. And the second from Henry Ford, who said, Coming together is a beginning. Keeping together is progress. Working together is success. And now for something a bit deeper. At our wedding 32 years ago, my father-in-law read from 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13 is known as the love chapter. But this is what it says in chapter 12 of Corinthians. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body either. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has planted in the church first of all apostles and prophets and teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have the gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, now eagerly desire the greater gift. And yet I will show you the most excellent way. And what is the most excellent way, you may wonder? Well, that's where 1 Corinthians chapter 13 comes in, the chapter on love. 
1 Corinthians 12 talks about us being a body and needing to be a body. And then it says, and if you do these things, you will demonstrate a more excellent way. And then it tells us that excellent way. So if we want to be the embodiment of Christ and the embodiment of love, then we need to work together and to honor one another, to celebrate our differences and to rejoice in our common goal. So thank you for joining me for this episode of As the Crow Flies, as we've considered the importance of working together and of ecumenism. I hope that it has been helpful to you. And if it has, don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. So thanks once again for listening and for joining me on the journey. Thanks too for all that you do to make the lives of seafarers better. Join me next time as the crow flies. As the Crow Flies is made possible through the generous support of the Mission to Seafarers. The theme music is called Carefree. It is royalty-free free music, which was written and performed by Kevin McLeod, and made available through filmmusic.io.